is Jeans and a Nice Top, a crash course in modern dating with Ash and Mel. Hi, Ash, and hi also to Lil, also known as Flex Mummy, who has joined us on this very first episode of season two of Jeans and a Nice Top. Nice. Welcome, Flex. Thank you. (laughs) So today we we wanted to have a chat to you because we've been thinking it's funny how when it comes to conversations around dating and sex, you know, most of us really struggle and you might have some insight for us into that. Do you struggle personally? I, personally, I do struggle a little bit. As a professional communicator with a degree in communication, <laughs> bit of a struggler. Wow. Miss struggle. Miss struggle. <laughs> the struggle is That is, is so real. fascinating. That's I think, know. Yes, well, I. But I feel like I lot. find it hard too. Like I, um, I would say in certain scenarios, I feel like I can sometimes say what I'm thinking and ask like hard questions, and then other times, depending what it is, particularly around sex, which is interesting because obviously <gasps> I literally have here your very new reflex with love, honey. Yeah. Yes. So you just teamed about up sex. with them. Yeah. We should explain a little bit about what Reflex is, though. So this is your card game Flex, which has many iterations now. So yes. So Reflex tell us is... Tell a little bit about it. It's my conversation card game. And I feel like people know what that is, but I guess if you don't, it's literally a deck of cards with um, varying degrees of questions on them. Some are really humorous, some are really serious, some are really deep. And the intent is to answer those questions honestly and learn more about yourself and the person or people that you're playing with. I think that a lot of us think or maybe subconsciously think that we're good communicators by virtue of the industries we work with or the fact that we have the ability to speak. But as we've just discussed, I think that it's an area that's, you know, really awkward and contentious because what can you do with the information once you realise you're not that good of a communicator, you know? Mm. Like not everyone's going to go to therapy or speech therapy to say what they want to say, you have to find easy, accessible solutions to unique problems. And that's where Reflex comes in. For $39.99, you too can be a communicator. (laughs) (laughs) That is cheaper than therapy. But the the, the latest Reflex sex came out of an Instagram poll you did, right, where you asked all of your followers and you've got a huge follower base about communicating and sex. Yeah, so I always talk to my Instagram audience about stuff. That's just like a classic flex mommy Instagram experience. And I would say about mm, two years ago, sex and dating, I mean, it's always a trendy topic of conversation, but for my platform and my audience, it was especially trendy. And I would assume because most of my audience would regard themselves as quote unquote woke people or people Mm. who have the capacity to have open, honest and communicative discussions, Mm. I would assume that would have, uh, transcended or it would have um, it would have also tied in with their ability to talk about sex uh, but what I recognized is while they were able to talk about sex like I slept with this person and it was yeah. good or bad they couldn't have critical discussions about sex why do you have sex what role does it play in your mm-hmm. life are you always checking for consent with a partner do you even know what that looks like when you're not on the receiving end of someone who hasn't been asked for consent and suddenly we're getting gaps in understanding. And there were so many inconsistencies, inconsistencies that popped out that I think are quite detrimental to, 
to the communication because I recognize that when you're talking about sex, if you're only talking about it from the perspective of someone who's not sexually satisfied, not sexually satisfied because of their partner, you kind of have to recognize well, which part of this is my fault. Did you not pick this partner? Did you not vet them? Like, mm-hmm. is this not taking two people to have this subpar sexual experience? Mm-hmm. Is it only on your partner to ensure that you're fully sexually satisfied? What responsibility do you have over their sexual satisfaction? Yeah, totally. And when it comes to like these conversations, why do you think people are having such a tough time having them? Why do we just kind of keep storm? Do you know what it is? And I'm going to talk about millennials, especially maybe even Gen Z's. Um, Cause I don't know anything about anyone else, but I think it's because so much of our lives has been from a voyeuristic perspective. Like we're always consuming somebody else's narrative, fantasy media constantly, which gives us this idea that we also understand these situations because well, I've watched 45 hours of porn. I of course understand sex. I know mm. how it works. When in reality, that's not what builds an understanding. Yes, you might be able to observe it conceptually and you might be able to recognize what these things are, but to actually be the person who's experienced it, many of us aren't. The other issue is that even if you don't regard yourself as someone who's a good communicator or someone who's very opinionated, we've been like forced to publish and to speak and to articulate and to say Mm. what we think and to do all these things. And so most of us default to, let me just pretend I know what I'm talking about because it's easier than appearing ignorant because we associate ignorance with boomers and like dumb people and like ignorance is not for me. I would rather double down and say, I know than admit I don't know. And so I think most of us have found ourselves in this very precarious situation where we know that we're not as confident or not as skilled in these areas, but we've doubled down. And how can we backtrack and be like, "Mm, you know, it's funny, I was complaining about him not asking for consent, but "Ah, I didn't ask for consent either. It's not happening. Like we haven't haven't fostered environments where people can openly say, oh, I don't know, and uh, I'm willingly ignorant, sorry. That's not happening. Um, yeah. And so it's it's a slippery slope. I see it in everything. I see it in people's views on relationships, marriage, having children, career, um, gender roles, sexuality and sexual identity. I think we can all say really comfortably, like, we're really open and, like, everyone should have, like, you know, the chance to express themselves. But when push comes to shove, we're really, really, like, bigoted. Like, we don't have open views about no. stuff. And, like, the sooner we just recognise that and try the better yeah that's so funny because we had this ep at the end of our last season where we were talking about how we both love missionary and like Mm, how it's like such an underrated it's such an underrated position it's (laughs) so fucking good we're like we're like literally out here like championing missionary like the the lone women out in this world being like (laughs) missionary is amazing and um it's really funny because in that combo we we sort of drilled down and we were like there is this I don't know. I, I feel like there's this trend lately where because we're not talking, because we're not speaking up about what we like, we just go with whatever's happening in the bedroom. And then it's like we end up doing all these positions. And I was specifically talking about how I feel like I'm single and like in relationship, like dating and stuff. Mm. I feel like choking comes into play really early on with no one saying, hey, is this okay? Mm-hmm. And that's really chaotic to me that like that's just become a norm for like first sex with somebody that you just suddenly are getting choked and you're like oh whoa and then you just kind of go along with it and I don't have a massive issue with it and I kind of like in certain scenarios like it but it's quite chaotic that that just comes in and and I think when I've had combos with friends about it and with Ash we were like yeah like that just happens and I've never really said whoa stop 
but I've also never really said, yes, that's something that I'm comfortable to do with you. So it's, yeah, I, I think that's another kind of way that we're not having conversations is it's not just that we're not saying, oh, this is what I like. It's also, we're not actually saying like, hey, whoa, like that's a bit early for that to be happening, you know? It's fucked. I hate it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I would say a lot of the times, like if we're talking attachment styles, I can be very mm. avoidant, but in general life, work, relationships, I would be an over-communicator. Like mm. nothing slides with me. Everything is a topic. Yeah. What, did you mean that? What, what, what was that joke? What was that rooted in? Like I can't let things go. So sex especially, <laughs> yeah. especially since I've had a lot of time to kind of just break down why I even have sex, what role it plays in my life, where yeah. I learnt what I find sexually appropriate, um, the role hookup culture plays in my sexual mm-hmm. identity because like that's just a lot. Um, the role <clears throat> sexual empowerment plays in feminism and how we're deriving what sexual empowerment even mm-hmm. means when we live in a patriarchal system and so much of us have been programmed to want to fulfill the male gaze. Like, yeah, yeah, we need to just recognize that we're all pawns, we're all bloody yeah. little, system. like, yeah, like we're all avatars, and I think because a lot of us have spent so much time trying to actively distance ourselves from these systems that impact us. We think we've done it. It's like, but we're still in it. Yeah. Like, just because yes. you learned what patriarchy was doesn't mean you've overcome its impacts on you. Like we're here, babe. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes I think we've gone like the whole other way. Like there was this period where it was like, women aren't allowed to like sex. They have to just only like missionary and like only like it in the dark under the <laughs> covers with yeah. like their husband. And then it's like, we've gone the whole other way where it's like women, have to like every single fucking thing that everyone wants to do and if you don't and if you like that kind of sex in the dark under the covers then suddenly you're like not a feminist Rude. and then that's really fucked up as well it's like we, we it's like we can't win and it's really frustrating but i fully know what you mean like even when we think that we know all these things and we've been you know we've been fed all of this information that doesn't necessarily mean that we're applying it correctly in our lives and that we're like actually woke if that makes sense and I also think we have to recognize the areas where women are holding women to these like standards that don't benefit us Mm -hmm. because I've never had a guy say to me what you don't like getting choked like it's (laughs) always a woman who's trying to say like well this is what I do and aren't you as sexually um, promiscuous as I am what you don't Mm want to get spat on what what? I thought you were better than that like I thought you were a freaky bitch and I'm like um Yes, why are we so judgy? I don't get it. I agree. I feel like it's definitely in female circles and on the internet so much. Mm -hmm. I used to be in all these Facebook groups for like girls where they, and everybody knows these types of groups, right? It starts out so great and everything's really happy and everyone's like a community and we're like supporting each other. And then suddenly it becomes this awful thing where everyone's just yelling at each other and telling everyone their shit. And oh my God, I can't believe that you don't like blowjobs or do like blowjobs or like doing them in the morning or like doing them at night. It's just so fucking weird that we all just want to like yell at other women about what they're doing wrong and and yeah it's strange and it doesn't I don't think it comes from men either like I haven't personally experienced it coming from men the system absolutely does and they're beneficiaries of that system so of course they perpetuate that subconsciously consciously directly indirectly like they're not they're definitely not not at fault but I think especially in the relationships I've been in, I've never been with, maybe not as an adult, maybe as like a 17-year-old who's like, I'm going to sleep with older men. <laughs> but um, <laughs> as an adult, I'm always finding that um, 
like I have a leg to stand on in these conversations. I feel just as empowered or entitled to say something works or doesn't work. It would make sense if it was like women sleeping with women making points about what women should do or should say or should or shouldn't like. But it's like Mm. we're all having these conversations in these women's circles to not uphold that where it matters. Because I always think like every time I have, every time I sleep with someone who's not that like sexually intelligent or empowered or whatever, I think like, who did you sleep with beforehand? Who told you that was or wasn't okay? Because oh from where I'm sitting, we're all saying, that, like, you don't push a girl's head down. But now you're trying to push my head down. And I just want to know which one told you it was okay. I know. You know? Sometimes I want to have this conversation with, like, every person the person I'm sleeping with has slept with before and be like, but why didn't you say that this isn't fun? Because yeah. no one thinks this is good. Like, I've had some really bad hand-related work before and it's like, who let you do that for so long you know what's hand related work well you know like hands hands down pants energy that's not sexy or fun or i'm gonna need you to really pull it out what what, what was it was it a nail was it the friction it was was definitely more like sort of stabby oh jackhammer i just knew that this guy had had long-term relationships before sleeping with me and i was like how has no one said to you and then that kind of comes back to like on the flip side of like, obviously we're not speaking up about what we don't like, but I also think, and I'm just as guilty of, of this, is like not speaking up about what we do like. And and whenever I have, I feel like it's really received well, at least with the people I've slept with. Like they want to know because I think everybody that is a decent person wants to the other person to be enjoying that experience, you know? Of course, but it's. I wonder if it's because we don't have the tools to have that conversation. We don't know how to communicate. We have yeah. words, but we don't know how to string a sentence together. We don't know how to articulate what we like, what we don't like. And so we just really do ourselves a disservice hoping that our partner will magically work out what we want, that we, whether that be sexually or for them to, I don't know, book a restaurant for dinner, whatever it is, we just hope that they work it out and brood on it and then talk amongst ourselves. Actually, that booking a restaurant thing, like I feel like is such a, like the amount of times back and I feel like I'm not like saying I'm amazing at this yet, but there was Mm -hmm. definitely this period in my early 20s where I just wanted people that I was dating to read my mind and it was like oh my god I can't believe you didn't read my mind that I wanted you to get me flowers for Valentine's Day even though I said I hate Valentine's Day and it's stupid oh, you know okay Mel. <laughs> Mel I was all I was almost with you for a second but I, I was having this breakthrough in therapy right because as a communicative person um a big part of how like you're even able to be someone who defines themselves as someone who can communicate is that you also listen right Mm. and you also pay attention to what other people are saying because you would like the same to be done for you Mm. you know like the value in being an open communicator is like mutually beneficial I open up so you open up I ask what I want so you ask what you want there's not one person doing both jobs now the thing about the the flowers and the date thing Mm -hmm. I think part of what uh really fucks over like cis hetero relationships is that so many women have been like inundated by their environment to to externally care, like to show care through output, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not just going to love you in my mind. I got to love you in ways you can see it, feel it, like acknowledge it, express it, have it yep. validated. So 
it is really simple for you to think like, oh, my friend just had a bad day. How can I show her that I care or show them that I care, right? So you might be like, hey, can I take you out somewhere? Can I get you a glass of water? Do you want to do something exciting? Because you recognize, although I know in my head that I care, it's important that they can also register or recognize the the almost like the quality of care that I have for them, mm, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> The issue that I often have with like cis straight men is that they've not been taught to externalize their care. It's even a breakthrough when they recognize they have the ability to care and Mm. it all just happens in their head. And so what you find is that they're kind of like, well, even acknowledging the day should be enough because the day in itself is so symbolic. Why can't you see that I care? And the women are like, but no, because that's bare minimum. Like we all know Mm. the day is important. So what do you Mm. add to it to ensure that I recognize that you care in the way that I think you should care or that, that I know you care. Yeah. We don't need to cut men slack in that area. Mm. Because like, I often think for every guy that I know who doesn't know how to express themselves or like be a good partner, I think, but don't you have a job where you constantly have to like be outwardly showing that you have value? Yeah. You're constantly letting people know that you hear them, that you see them, that you're working hard. Like you can recognize in that environment that it's important to not just live in your head. You have to participate. You have to be open. You have to be honest. But the moment you leave your work, you're suddenly like, I don't know. I'm just like, you know, a little hermit crab. I just said these, yeah, these concepts right. are too hard. It's like, hmm you have experience like you have to exercise that kind of critical thinking in other areas of your life so like you consciously turn it off because we're not getting paid do you think it's because i I, it's i think it's just like value systems right and i think for a lot of men they derive a lot of their self-worth from their output and especially like their financial output like what am i getting what am i getting paid who's Mm. gratifying me in a in a currency or in a value that i understand and money is a huge one I think that a lot of men, I'm going to generalize because I really believe it. Let's talk about straight men. I think a lot of men really, really value like masculinity as a concept. And they're going to say they don't because we, they think that we don't like that about them. Right. But I think that men value masculinity. I think that men also value money and they value respect from other men. Right. And so imagine in your workspace, like you're getting all of these boxes ticked, like other men think you're sick. You know, you get to bro down and talk mm. about guys' shit. And it's amazing because there's no one saying that that's like misogynistic. You know, you're just having a good time vibing. <laughs> yeah. Talk about your interests, <laughs> economics, sport, history. It's a vibe. <laughs> and then you can get paid. <laughs> and you, you do an extra money. good job. You get validated from <laughs> men <best> again. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like men's like fairground energy there. <laughs> Absolutely. And I also think it's an environment where they can just like feel all these things that society is telling them that it's not good to feel like yeah. hyper alpha and all these amazing things. And then like when it comes to relationships, they've got to apply critical thinking skills and they've got to recognize like those skills are transferable, just not in the way you're used to expressing them. Yeah. Yeah. So no, just don't think you have, you know, the accountability to just choke someone out when you first meet them, but mm. you can assert dominance by saying, Hey, I'm going to choose where we eat. Cause I know that you want to eat. <laughs> And I do too. (laughs) And then we say, amazing, good job. Oh, my God. (laughs) But when we have these conversations, if you're not comfortable and, uh, you know, if you're not comfortable raising what you want, what are some actionable tips that you have found that helps people find their voice? Because I'm sure people ask you that all the time. 
and you can't really give them the advice, just be confident because that's shitty advice. I also think it's such a millennial thing to expect comfort in uncomfortable situations. Like you're not mm-hmm. entitled to comfort. Mm-hmm. Hard things are hard for a reason. Difficult right. conversations are hard for a reason. Like if they were all simple, we just wouldn't be in this environment that we're in. And so I think the first thing you need to do is just really detach from this idea that, you know, asking for what you want is going to be easy. Mm. There's been centuries of women before you asking for what they want and it's not been even considered. So let, like take heed in the fact that you, your, your, what's like a starting point is like the odds are in your favor. All right. Yeah. Not in the 50s, not in the 60s, definitely Mm. not in the 17th century. You're not going to get beheaded. Number two, I think that you need to recognise that if you don't ask, you don't get. And that's not to say that everything needs to be transactional, but I think you need to actively share the accountability, especially when you're expecting something from somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it goes, so before we were talking about this idea of like, but they need to read my mind. I think once they've been given context for what you want and you've said one, two, three, four, ten times what you want, yes. then, you know, there's accountability there to read your mind because they have context for what you want. But up until that point, it's a secret. So yes. like let somebody yeah. in on what that secret is. And then I think number three, which is like one that nobody wants to talk about is that you're not guaranteed success. Like mm-hmm. trying doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. And that's why I think everyone gets kind of, uh, I don't know, disheartened mm. from not getting exactly what they want because you've not anticipated failure or rejection. Get used to it. It's coming. Like you need to start thinking in ratios like or percentages. And maybe every time you ask for what you want, there's like a 40% chance that you'll get it. Those odds will get higher the more comfortable you get with asking for what you want. And the more you – and I think also <clears> – <throat> The more you start recognizing what you want and the more you start building up the skills to ask what you want, you can start to weed out far earlier on who you can rely on to give you what you want, right? Because I Mm. think like when you're a young person and you assume that everybody has your best intentions, it can be really, really disheartening when you finally reach out and ask what you want and somebody says no. As you get older, you need to recognize that's like, it's happenstance, babes. Like (laughs) the expectation isn't for people to do what you want because you're asking, but you need to still set the standards, still ask, still expect. And also the most crucial thing, don't ask for what you cannot give for someone else. Oof. I feel like so yeah. many of us do not bring enough to the table to be asking mm. as incessantly as, and as often as we do. Yeah. Can you ask what you're asking for? And it could be basic things. If you want an open communicator, I'm sorry, sis, but we're going to need a little bit more from you. We need yeah, something else. Yeah, yeah, if you want yeah. vulnerability... Oversharing is not vulnerability, all right? Talking about taboo things is not vulnerability. Like you Mm -hmm. need to be giving what you expect to get back because I think that often people who don't or who can't naturally give you what you want need a really healthy example of how to do that, right? So like you need to create that, you know, safe environment that someone can speak openly to you and comfortably and, you know, that you're not going to nitpick what they say or how they say it or what they meant. Like it Mm -hmm. it all matters. Yeah. Yeah, it's chaos, isn't it? And it's and like I think that even in like one of the things that I feel deeply about and I feel like we've talked about a bit on this podcast and also we hear a lot in the group is like, um, you know, when people want like someone back, like someone's like broken up with you and you're like, how am I going to construct this perfect text to get them back and get what I want? And like, how do I communicate every single fucking thing? And even when you do communicate at all, it's like, it's like, there's this expectation, like 
that's going to be the quick fix. That's what's going to do it. That's going to be the thing that gets that person back. And like, I used to do this, me and Ash always laugh about it. I like send these insanely long texts to guys that dump me. And I was used to be this like, true. like wall of text of every single thing I thought I need to explain this. Delete like, it this all. Time, September <laughs> it. 2019, well, not 19, September 20. 2019 when I said this thing I meant this other thing and I feel this way about that situation or whatever anyway and it's like I used to send these texts and think okay this will do it because now they know yeah. the truth about everything that I didn't speak up about before and then you still get the bad answer and it's like it's no guarantee like just because you're asking for what you want and you're being clear and you're communicating doesn't mean that that person's going to respond in the way that in your head you've decided they will mm. You know? And there's a ton of other things or skills we need to work on in addition to wanting to have the confidence to ask the question. You need to work on your resilience, babes, your stamina, mm. your mm-hmm. endurance, your emotional intelligence, right? Mm. Your critical thinking skills. All of these things will really impact your ability to get good results when you start asking for what you want because there's nothing worse than a person who lacks self-awareness walking into spaces demanding more. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, have you ever had that that intern who's there for a week has been fucking up everything, but is anticipating a job? Yep. You're like, baby, no, I'm already <laughs> looking for your replacement. No, sis, <laughs> I want you to be confident, but not this confident. It's got to be rooted in skills. <laughs> There's a fine line with that level of confidence that you bring yes. to the table. <laughs> Even on dates, though, like we were talking about this as well, like, you know, there's like going into a date and being confident and knowing like what, to like what you want and also like how to expect to be treated but then also kind of you can take that too far and then you're suddenly this like judgy asshole who is like (laughs) shutting someone down because they like didn't order the right wine or didn't art like pull your chair out for you or some shit and it's like (laughs) fuck man like people are humans like we can't like go I think yeah like I think we're saying the same thing like you can't just go in and expect like this like stellar 10 out of 10 behavior from somebody else because you're not a perfect person either and like people are clunky and weird and that's humanity like I don't know but also it's you like, don't you fundamentally do not deserve it from a stranger you know no, like you're both yeah. there on neutral they don't need to wine and dine you just so you can show up I think we also need to recognize that like I, I used to think of like when I used to go on dates and I used to be like, I used to have that mentality of like, but I need to do all these things to show up on this date. Like 18 year old Lil being like, I've got to do my hair, mm. do my makeup and then shave. But these are really expectations that I set up for myself. The moment yeah. I started just going to dates as I was, if this is what I look like at work, this is what we're getting. Suddenly yes. I didn't feel like I was entitled to anything else, but what I was being given because I started at zero and they started at zero. Yeah. Um, and then you like, you give and take and you share and share and you share and share. And then you can leave those environments not feeling like, oh, that was a waste of my time or that was a waste of my money or that was a waste of my expectation. Just show up neutral. Yes, and it's like that neutral (laughs) playing field where it's like I'm just getting to know you and you're just getting to know me and no one needs to be like – whipping out their credit card necessarily. I don't know. I don't know because I oh, I just feel like there's a lot of like, yeah, that weird subliminal not unspoken stuff in dating where people go on a date and they just have this like unspoken rule of like if if he doesn't pay or if she doesn't offer to go split with me or if he doesn't like ask me this specific question about my life, then it's over. And it's just, I don't know. I think it's ruining for, for people mm. like their dating experience. Cause that's just, you know you're what always it is though. Down. It goes back to what I was saying earlier where like, we think we're heaps progressive about these fucking experiences and what we expect. But in reality, when we don't know, we default 
Mm, right? Yeah. And what do we default to? Basic fucking misogynistic patriarchal standards of what we expect these things to turn out to be. Yeah. Let me tell you, like, with the amount of men that I've met in my life, like my friends, colleagues, whatever you want to call them, I think it's fascinating how, like, stressed out they are about, like, masculinity and, like, gender roles. Mm. But I'm like, you don't seem that stressed, you know? Like, if, <laughs> if you were really stressed about your role in this date, for example, wouldn't you rush to pay? You know, like, yeah. wouldn't you... Wouldn't it be a- another way to assert your masculinity? So I think that's really fascinating. Because, mm. like, I, I see the way women are stressed about leaning into their femininity, you know, and yeah. it's like, mm. oh, but should I and shouldn't I? And, like, but do I ask him? Does he ask me? And blah, mm. blah, blah. And then you really see how that manifests. It, it, it manifests in inconsistent values when it comes to this yeah. dating arena, right? Inconsistent thoughts and actions. That manifests. But, man, I'm like, I, how stressed do you think you are? about like wanting to be this man who provides and like mm-hmm. who who makes sure his woman is satisfied. I'm like, <laughs> you're stressed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so at all. They're like not even thinking about their thinking about like, they're looking at that screen like behind you and they're like, oh, the cricket's looking good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, how many dates have you been on where the dude is like kind of watching the footy or the cricket behind you? Like that so many. so scary. <laughs> Mel loves a pub date. There's a thing about a pub date, right? Because I don't drink and it's for yeah. no good reason aside from the fact that I don't really like the taste of alcohol. Yeah, um, and so when I meet new people and like I think in some instances if I'm trying to like uh, you know, increase my high or whatever you think a high mm-hmm. is on yeah. a podcast, um, then I might, you know, have a little something, you know, to get it yeah. going. But I just don't want to give the wrong impression that I'm a drinker. It's just, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. But I do love a casual first date. I mm-hmm. don't want the bells and whistles because it's just so distracting. It is. I don't want to be thinking about money. I don't want to be thinking about the environment. I don't want to be interrupted by a staff member. Is the food good? Is it not good? Whatever. Mm-hmm. I just want to like give as little as possible and then leave. Even yeah. if it's good, even if it's bad, I want to be here and go. Because I yes. used to be like a, a marathon. I, I probably still am like a marathon data like you're at a first date six hours in we're having the best time yeah then we go back to yours and it's the next day and i'm still here like ugh, it's too much that's, that's you ash <laughs> that is 48 hours later <laughs> i'm like so i guess i should I stop paying rent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i love this idea of just the, the one hour in and out and yeah. i think the location really it, it, it kind of sets the tone for the date, you know? Yeah. I want someone to be comfortable. And, like, sitting on the ground at a park isn't comfortable for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. so the pub feels like the most neutral place. Cafes will get pushed out of there real quick, you know? Do yeah. you want something? Do you want to do something? Yeah, but the thing awkward. about the pub is there's so much room for distraction, especially when you're dating, like, straighty, straighty men. It's, like, mm. other people, beers, cricket. Like, there's there's a guy from the IT department. There's so yeah. much happening. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's kind of, like, they're just so easy to step into a pub and leave. Nobody knows you. You don't have yeah. to, like, fuck around yeah. going to your favourite spot. And then Cindy at the register's like, babe, he's so cute. And you're like, ah, he's so oh. cute. And then next week you're like, oh, I didn't like out. He's gone. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's cancelled. <laughs> I also love, I've been going on about RSL dates for two years. I swear to God, I've been like okay, ramming this down. Scary. <laughs> RSL dates, no. Legit, I wrote a story about it when I was working at Pedestrian and went fucking mental because everybody was like, oh my God, the RSL. And basically I went on this date 
to, with an ex actually to the RSL on our first date. And it was so much fun. There's so much to do. You can go to the bistro and have the like daily special. You can go to like five different bars. You can go walk around the ballroom. There's usually like a meat raffle on. Sometimes there's like a jump. I went to one once where there was like that big, they call it the big bean or whatever. And it's like one of those jumping things for kids, but then there's no kids there at 9 p.m. So you can just like go on it yourselves. <laughs> it's a vibe. But yes, I definitely love a casual date. And I think that it sets up to actually chat and like actually hang out. See, if it works for you, it works for you. But I think above all, I can be a bougie bitch. It's mm-hmm, not yes. reflected in what I eat. Like I definitely am like everyday Maccas. That works for me. And it's definitely not really reflected in like my ability to go to places like pubs or RSLs. But I think in dating, like how you start is how you end, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very, it'd be very odd for me to be like, hey, um, let's go this RSL date. And then I'm like, oh my God, there's this bag I want to get and it's 3K and it's really amazing. (laughs) Like it's just, it doesn't compute. I've tried it before. Yeah. I've tried it before. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm laid back and I'm like, mm, probably not to you. Probably not to <laughs> yeah. you. But as well, Flex, it's interesting what you said about not drinking and dating. It's a huge mm. topic because yeah. even when I've had periods of not drinking and I've turned up on a date and I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm not really drinking at the moment. It people, it really makes people look inwards at their own drinking and it makes them extremely uncomfortable. I, I would say arguably more than anything else yeah. I've brought up on a date. Like mm-hmm. not drinking is really shows yeah. people's true colors have have you found that when you'd rock up to a date and you're like no I don't really drink thanks I'll have a water and they're it's like it's a what? whole conversation Ugh. and I'm like you care more than I care I'm around drunk yeah. people yes. all the time like it's I just an care. average day but exactly what you said Ash it it, it leads to this introspection and you can see <laughs> how somebody reacts it just like shows all their insecurities like why do you mm. care that you're drinking and I'm not drinking just drink if you like it so much so mm. why do you drink? I thought you just yeah. liked it, but yet now you're concerned that you need company. Why do you need company? Mm-hmm. I need company to, ha- to have a juice. I have a juice whenever I want, you know? you having one I right now. I'm having one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it. So I think it's really bizarre. But also I think it's it's extra hard in Australia, of course, because mm-hmm. like as much as we'd not, we don't like to think that drinking culture is so intertwined with Australian culture, it is. It is. And we don't really have a lot of, you know, those quote-unquote neutral environments. There's no books cute bookstore for us to hang out in we're not just going to dimmicks on a date you know like coffee at 10 p.m going to the art gallery is gonna set you back you know like these places (laughs) require an investment or you just can't hang out so I totally understand but yeah it's fucked I'm like I don't have a good reason for not drinking and then the worst bit is people challenging me but have you had this Oh, I'm like, yeah, babes. I ha- I binge drink like the rest of everyone. You know, yeah. we all did yeah, that yeah, at six. I tried it. We've all had a Malibu I'll still and try lemonade, it, but I'm not here to spend twenty <laughs> bucks on like you know a fucking amaretto sour that I don't want to drink. Ew. I'm fine. Also, who wants coke. an amaretto sour? Not me. But <laughs> I am having this at the moment because I feel like. I've since Christmas and like dating and stuff, I'm just mm. drinking so many nights of the week. And I literally like last week was saying to a guy I've been seeing, I was like, I just don't want to drink tonight. Hey, like, I just want to like go. And we still went to the pub. <laughs> so we didn't drink. Like we just didn't drink. At, or I had like, I think I had like one beer instead of like the multiple beers that you end up drinking. Cause I also have like those power dates, not as much as you and Ash, but not like not, not 48 hour dates, but just like six hours and you're still Join there. Us. Like, 1 <laughs> Join us. Move in. <laughs> Freelancer things. I've got time. <laughs> I'll move in. <laughs> I can work from your balcony. Um, but yeah, you know, like it's it's a weird. And then it is a thing that I've noticed is when I'm like, oh, I just don't want to drink. That I somehow do because for some reason I like like 
cover up my awkwardness or my like any little bit of silence with I'll go get a beer or I'll have a beer and that'll make me more energetic. And then that's kind of fucked up that that's mm-hmm. what we lean on. So yeah, it's, it's, I've been really thinking about going on a bit of a like no drinking phase just because I'm noticing how much I rely on it to like be able to chat on a date and be able to just be present and enjoy it and not feel tired or like whatever mm. from work. But then on the flip side, it makes you more tired. So it's like, I'm in a lose-lose spiral here, you know? Oh, I was actually going to bring up one of these cards because I was oh like, God, I really yeah, love these. Okay. Um, like this to me, I feel like this is the hardest combo. And this is like one of those things where like maybe the next time I'm like with a guy that I'm seeing, I'll just be like, shove this on the table, but not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> because this one to me is like the biggest combo that no one has, which oh is God. what's your favorite position and why? It's I feel the why like... nobody answers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, like oh. I love reverse cowgirl. And then it's like, but why? And then you have to actually think critically and go, wait, why do I like this? Is this just a porn thing? Is this a pleasure thing? Do I do if you get pleasure out of it? Fuck. Yeah. If you feel amazing doing it, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you obviously know I'm going to say missionary and I have very good reasons for that. I feel (laughs) I've critically thought about it and I stand by it. (laughs) And if people do want to pick up these cards flex, where can we get them? You can get these cards exclusively on www.flexfactory.store. Mm-hmm. You'll find all sorts of games. But I really do think that everybody should at least just try playing Reflex questions about sex only because I can recognize that people might be more um, like critically aware in other areas of their life. Like you might really know why you're awkward or why you're opinionated. Those things might not be very illuminating to you, but I think we all have huge, potentially detrimental blind spots when it comes to sex and and sexual activity and sexual identity, especially because like all sex is so intertwined with trauma and like your self identity and your self esteem. Mm -hmm. And I think we just bulldoze that fact. (laughs) Like we can all recall sexual experiences that haven't been great. And like, they're still in the back of our psyche hurting us in some ways, or they make us feel you know, really unsafe in future sexual experiences. And we park that down to, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes you get scarred. Sometimes you don't. That's fucked. Yeah. Yeah, totally <laughs> so fucked. at the very least, if you can start exploring why you even have sex, I think it could kind of like safeguard you from potentially from potentially shitty situations, like someone choking you out when you weren't prepared for them yeah. to choke you out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even like analyzing something like that, like, why do you like that sexual position? Like you're only going to end up getting, having better sex for it. Like exactly. even if you come to the conclusion that, oh yeah, the reasons I like this sex position are sound and are about my pleasure and, and, and me getting something out of my sexual experience. Like if you've never thought about it and you've never talked about it with somebody and like drilled down, you're not you know, it's just you're either going to, like, equip yourself with knowing why you like it or you're going to be like, oh, wait, fuck, why do I like this? Is it because of that one weird porn that I watched, like, 100 years ago? On- <laughs> Remember when our phones and you had to go get the internet and it was, like, a button, like, you had to move the little cursor thing around the screen and then click on no, it? No. I Am I old? What? I'm old. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. I just wasn't, like, I just wasn't intrigued by porn. Yeah. I just hated the secrecy around it, like, having yeah. to, like, hide when I was watching it. That felt mm-hmm. sus to me and not enjoyable. Yes, yes. Well, no I one mean, watches it yeah. on the bus. You yeah. know, like I'm like, why no do I have to be the in, the, in, in the recesses of my mind? I also think a few other things, even if you don't get the deck, I think people mm. should really ask themselves, like, why do you have sex? Because mm. I think that a lot of us would 
would have had a dry spell or maybe like mm-hmm. you had never had sex before or whatever and your life was kind of fine like you didn't die you didn't crumple up you kind of just had other priorities and as soon as the floodgates kind of open it becomes a top tier priority for yeah. tons of reasons but i think it's really vital to understand why you in particular have sex why do you have sex with those kinds of people mm-hmm. how sure are you about your sexual identity does it matter to you like why do you recognize that your sexual health is as important as your mental health? Like, do you know the implications of having an STI that goes untreated? Suddenly it's like, I don't know. I just think a lot of us are gambling (laughs) in this environment, you know? Yeah. And I can definitely trust myself, but can you really trust the people that you're sleeping with? Oh, totally. Yeah, it's like kind of. We were just talking about this because I'm like such a paranoid person about STIs and I am always like whipping out the condoms. Like I have them everywhere. They're like fucking everywhere in my house, I swear. And I'm always (laughs) like, I'm always like just so paranoid about it. And I had this like whole experience with Ash, which I'll top line it for everybody. But essentially Mm. I like thought I'd gotten an STI and I was like, Ash was on a trip with me and she had to hear about it every five minutes. Through the whole gorgeous Northern Territory. (laughs) It is a big motherfucking state. There's a feeling it's happening. (laughs) But, you know, I also think when I was younger, I, which is, again, top line this one because Mm. it's too deep to go into, but I was a Christian for like 10 years. I came out of it a virgin. I didn't lose my virginity till I was 26. So it was kind of like I felt like I had to catch up and I was like just having sex to like get a number like I was like literally like putting notches on my belt going oh yeah I'm gonna hook up with that guy yes done tick even though there were shit sex experiences if I had actually asked myself the question or like spoken about it with friends I probably would have reassessed that whole situation and I could have like skipped out on some real shit house sex experiences that really did actually fuck with my self-esteem too you know it'll do that to you yeah, it will. But yeah, I, this is so interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you about hard conversations, etc. Any bloody think, time. Uh, Flex, where can our listeners find you if they are not already following you? Um, I guess you can find me on Instagram, flex.mami, but you know. Find me if you want to or don't. You'll figure it out. Go to her <laughs> no, house. No, no pressure. <laughs> Come over. Just show no, up. Yeah. Okay, do What's not. your home address? <laughs> don't get it twisted. I feel like I'm mostly antisocial. I like being at home talking to a phone camera and, like, one person in the flesh max. Yeah. Like, I don't want to leave the house. Nerd. I don't want to chat. No. I just like to be in my pajamas. Um, Literally. <laughs> thanks, Flex, and thanks, everyone, thanks, for Flex. listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.